Welcome to Leadership Reflections, a collection of leadership podcasts by me, Barry Dore. Today, we're going to look at a podcast which is headed, Behaviours Do Matter. Behaviours Do Matter. This is a scenario that many of us have come across. We're in some kind of customer situation. It could be anywhere, an airline check-in desk, it could be a shop, it could be a restaurant, it could be a hotel, it could be anything. And we uh, go up into the uh, unit, whatever it is, and um, somebody's there to serve us. And they're efficient enough for their job. But their behaviour, their attitude is all wrong. They just seem to dislike customers intensely. They're not um, making eye contact. They're talking behind your back. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. It's just so aggravating. And um, it's one of the main reasons why as customers we would choose not to go back and to go somewhere else. Uh, and I've got no doubt that person carries that behaviour through internally within their organisation. They probably have a renowned reputation for being rude or, you know, unhelpful or whatever. In fact, there's a really, really good quote about this. And it goes like this. If toxic behaviour in a workplace is left unchecked, it will spread and kill the organisation. The only antidote is strong, positive leadership. If toxic behaviour in a workplace is left unchecked, it will spread and kill the organisation. The only antidote is strong, positive leadership. I think that is an absolutely great quote to reduce. The premise of today's podcast is that your people are there to deliver results. Of course they are. Their performance is important. But equally, how those results are delivered, the person's behaviour is crucial as well. And as I travel around, I find more and more organisations believe that poor behaviour now is unacceptable. Always, always in the past, people, people will be measured on the basis of their performance. How much were they producing? What profits were they making? What were they delivering? Whatever. And behaviours were basically left as an ignored area. Now it's no longer acceptable. I think more and more organisations believe it's as important, if not more important, to see how somebody behaves as is to see the results that they're delivering. Even to the point of when recruiting, to looking for people who are fit into the organisation, from a cultural point of view, from a values point of view, from a behaviours point of view, not just somebody who can uh, be capable of doing the job. I think more and more organisations believe this is now really, really important. They also recognise, however, and this comes up so commonly in my programmes, this is all very well. Performance is difficult enough to deal with, but um, behaviours is a um, really, really difficult thing to address, particularly if there's nothing um, recorded, nothing in the kind of uh, organisation to try to describe how people should behave, if that's just not, not done. There is a prerequisite here, of course, and that's that um, behaviours from the top have to be right. If behaviours from the top are not right, if if people aren't modelling from the top the right behaviours, why on earth would you expect your people to behave in a certain way? Why why would that even be required when it it wasn't being modelled from the top? It's 
you've got to get started somewhere. And I think the best place to start is to try and understand how behaviours are at the moment and to what extent they are impacting negatively on colleagues, on the team, on the organisation, on customers, etc. And in a need like Mary, I produced a really simple desk-based, primarily desk-based, if I'll come back to that, primarily desk-based tool, which I call the Capability and Behaviour Matrix, or the Capability and Attitude Matrix. Really simple. You'll find it in a lead like Mary, but I can explain it to you anyway. Basically, you've got a left-hand axis on a graph and a, an axis along the bottom. And the left-hand axis is how is people how people are performing in their role. And you take your people in your team and you score them from 0 to 10. So 10, pretty logically, is at the top of the left-hand axis and 0 is at the bottom and it's evenly split all the way down with 5 in the middle. It doesn't require a degree in maths to know that. <laughs> now, this has got to be a tough measure. This is about performance, how they're currently nothing to do with behaviour at the moment, how they're performing in the role, the results that, that they're delivering. And this is in their current role, not some kind of potential for the future. This is in their current role. So if somebody's scoring a 10 or a 9, it's going to be a tough measure. If somebody's scoring a 10 or a 9, frankly, they are exceptional. They are doing just so well, delivering you consistently superb results over and over again. At seven and eight, they'll be good performers. Nothing wrong with on the whole with their performance. Maybe they can stretch a little bit more, but good, solid performers. Sixes and fives, more mediocre perhaps. Then we get into fours and threes. And uh, by twos, we've got some really significant performance issues. And you can plot all your people on that left-hand axis um, according to where they are on the uh, performance uh, axis. Along the bottom, we have behaviours. This is how somebody's behaving. And again, it's split from naught up to ten. Right at the top, 9 and 10, tough measure, exemplary behaviours. They are a, a role model in the way that they behave. They model those behaviours even outside the team. They're probably an example across the organisation of positive role modelling of behaviours. 7 and 8, no, no real bad issues, good behaviours, may occasionally have a very occasionally have an off day. 6 or 5, more likely to have um, poor behaviours exhibited. Three, fours, threes, twos and ones, there are simply some significant behavioural problems. If you plot that um, bottom axis as well, what you should now have are a series of points all over potentially the chart, depending on the size of your team and how they're performing and behaving. Um, they might be, you might have people uh, all over the chart. And then what we do, because those people like me always do this, we're going to, do, uh, I, hope you, I hope you've been drawing this actually while you've been going along. Um, you might want to stop the... Um, recording and just think about it yourself just fill in where your people are and when you've done that you will have uh, people maybe all over the chart and now what we're going to do is simply to divide the matrix into four quadrants like people like me do four quadrants using the number five of course so we've got four even quadrants and you may well find you've got people now in all four of those quadrants if you haven't just imagine that you have each of those quadrants requires a different approach they're different challenges for you Top right-hand quadrant, these are people who are above average in behaviour, behaving above averagely, and they're above average in terms of their performance as well. These are your stars. These are great people. Particularly, if you were to draw a sub-box now, taking in, say, the number 8, so just the top right-hand corner, a box which goes to number 8 in both, on both axes, people in that, quad, that little sub-box in the top right-hand are your absolute stars. The challenge to you is what is the problem with people in that quadrant? What's the problem for you with people in that quadrant? And the answer is we are very, very much in danger of losing them. 
especially if we ignore them. We ignore people in this quadrant at our peril. Time again I say to people, do we uh, tend to ignore people in that quadrant? Do they kind of nod in acknowledgement? And the reason is, we're dealing with problems in the other quadrants, and this lot aren't up there aren't a problem. But here's the thing, if we don't nurture them, if we don't develop them, if we don't focus on them, if we don't care about them, we're in real danger of losing them. Uh, these are good to great people, performance and behaviours, and these good to great people, particularly in the current marketplace, are extremely marketable and will find roles elsewhere. And if we don't look after them, if we don't nurture them, we're much more likely to go searching for those other roles. So people in that uh, quadrant is about uh, caring for them, nurturing them, spending time with them, but also developing them, giving them career plans. What else can we do with them? How could we make them even more effective? Could we give them some personal development? Whatever. What's their next moves? It's really looking after those people and building them up. People in the bottom left-hand quadrant, well, again, that's to be honest, that's quite straightforward. These are people who are below average on behaviour, below average on performance, and ultimately, if we're to build a truly effective team or organisation, we cannot have people in that quadrant. Those people cannot stay on the bus in that current quadrant. Either we have to find ways to improve behaviour and performance and move them northeast on the model, or, regrettably, on occasions, people do need to leave the bus. This is a separate discussion on a separate day, but um, they do need to leave, and um, we cannot ignore that. Uh, remember quotes before from um, Jim Collins. Uh, I'm not quoting this exactly, but a, a people issue which is ignored never goes away. A people issue which, which is ignored never goes away, and that is so, so true. So deal with that quadrant on an individual basis. But it has to be dealt with, and we'll do more on that in a separate podcast. Now, the bottom right-hand quadrant, these are people who are above average on behaviours, but below average on performance. Again, pretty straightforward. These are keen people, they're positive people, but they're simply not performing to the required level. So, what we do with this quadrant is to deal with it on an individual basis, individual action plans. Protect the behaviours, but why are they not performing? What is it stopping them? Is it they're new to the job or they're not sure what to do or, frankly, look in the mirror, they're being badly led? Is it because they've got too much to do, they've got prompts outside work, whatever it is? Find out and put an action plan in place to uh, improve performance, to move them northwards while retaining behaviour. Now, that's achievable in some cases, in some cases it's not. If it's not achievable, no matter how well behaved they are, they cannot be with you if they're not performing to required standard. We do need to deal with people in this quadrant as well. However, it's the top left-hand quadrant which gives us the greatest issues. And I'll just come back to that in a second. I just want to turn the top right-hand quadrant for a minute. Something else occurred to me. I sometimes work with organisations and uh, we do this plan and they'll, they'll, people will look at it and the manager and will say, yeah, I'm doing all right. I've got five people in the upper right-hand quadrant. Look at them, seven and seven, six and seven. It's good, isn't it? I'll say it's all right, yeah. But it's not good enough. If you want to be sustainably great, you cannot simply... Um, just accept that people are on sevens and sixes and sevens and sixes. It's, it's, once we do that, we're saying we're not going to make the most of our people and things will go downhill. So if we've got people in the sixes and sevens and eights, even eights, big pat on the back, but it's not good enough yet. Let's move them on. What more can we do to develop them from both behavioural and performance uh, p- p- position? Now, come to this top left-hand quadrant. Fascinating, this is. This is people who are at, uh, above average on performance, but below average on behaviours. 
And sometimes when I do this, people just nod their heads sagely and they talk about people who have uh, maybe nearing the end of their working lives, maybe older people, maybe they've been there a long time in the organisation. This is not exclusive, there could be all sorts of different people, but typically that's the group they think about. And this is a real issue, and sometimes I've heard it say, they say, yeah, of course Fred behaves like that, but don't worry. I know he behaves badly, but he retires in seven years, so it doesn't matter. Of course it matters, of course it matters. It has to be dealt with, although it is very, very, very tough. So if you've got people in this top left-hand quadrant, you cannot ignore it, it needs to be dealt with. Now, how do we address it? I said earlier that... um, we really need to have in place some kind of behavioural framework. If we haven't got that, the first thing a person's going to say in that top left-hand quadrant is, nobody's told me boss how to behave. I didn't even, you know, in fact, here's the thing. That person in that top left-hand quadrant probably doesn't even know quite often that they are behaving poorly. So when we do meet with them, we need evidence. And do not be surprised because nobody's ever raised it with them before. People over many, many years, past bosses... Past leaders have ignored behavioural issues because they're tough to deal with and it's not at the forefront of what was being required. They were getting the results, well, that's fine. You know, if they racked off a few customers, we, you know, they're still getting the results. In a competitive world in which we live, no longer uh, acceptable. It's just, just not something that, that, that we can put up with. So, and, and what you'll find is that person, you go back through their last seven or eight appraisals, annual appraisals, Good marks, good grades, good comments, no mention behaviours, all on performance. So it's going to be tough to raise it, but we do need to. So when we raise it, we need evidence. I mean, that is the first thing. We, we, we do need evidence to be able to say, this is what I saw you doing, and I just want to say, do you think this was appropriate, etc. If we can refer back to some kind of behavioural framework, all the better. If you haven't got a behavioural framework for your team or organisation, be a leader. Try and create one. Go out and argue the case. Because if you don't have that, it's very difficult. Often in organisations, behavioural frameworks are simply driven from their values. Decisions made not how you want people to behave. You then um, demonstrate for a particular trait, behavioural trait, what good behaviours would look like. Great behaviours, maybe. And then contra-behaviours. So you give an example of what it would look like. So, you know, the sort of thing about going out your way to um, delight the customer against... Um, rudeness to customers, ignoring them, etc. There's a lot more than that about how they deal with internal people as well and how they get on teams. You, you know the sort of thing. There's loads and loads and loads. It needs to be addressed. And um, that means understanding the first session is the hardest, sitting down with the person and raising the issue. I said this model was a desk-based model, and it is. I think you need to be quite careful with it. But I have seen it... Oh, been told about it being really effectively used to open a conversation. Imagine you gave them the blank model with just the two axes on explained without any people on it, obviously. And you said to them, this is what it is. Now, where would you put yourself? And they say, well, boss, I think I'm, I think I'm about a seven on performance and about an eight on behaving. So, I agree with you, seven on performance. You might be an eight, but actually, I've got you down as a four on behaviour. What, boss? Why? Why? It opens the conversation. It's tough, isn't it? It's a tough one. But it opens the conversation. The conversation begins. And as I said, the first conversation is always the hardest. So we must address behaviour in a ro- as robust a way as we address performance. In the vast majority of organisations, you wouldn't dream of not setting goals for how you want someone to perform. So why on earth would you not set goals for how you want someone to behave, which is where the behavioural matrix comes in? 
it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool. And it's the start of making behaviours at least as important as how somebody's performing. I've used, seen this model used very effectively by leadership teams. And I've sat with leadership teams and had very effective sessions and effective follow-up using the model. So what they do as a leadership team is to sit down together and to uh, map out on the matrix all of the people who work for the respective members of the team. So now what you've got is more of an input into each individual than just their line manager doing it. Because other people, other people, uh, peers of the line manager, colleagues of the line manager, may see something different. So the line manager says, I reckon that person's a f- only a five on behaviour. Everybody else goes, no, he's incredibly helpful. You don't see it, do you? He's a seven and eight. So the debate takes place. Eventually you end up with all the reports of the uh, leadership team on, on the chart. And now it's about action planning. And critically, it's about keeping it live by returning to this every three to six months. Taking time out as a leadership team to have a people session, which is crucial to talk about development as much as it's to talk about issues, to talk about nurturing and promoting people and um, improving them and keeping them as much as it is about uh, solving issues. But you revisit, have we made progress? This person last time was a five and a seven. Have we got them to a seven and an eight now? You know, whatever. Using this robustly, but, but, but remembering that it must be, it really must be a hard measure, a, a difficult measure, a, uh, a challenging measure to be getting really, really, really high scores. But uh, I think it's a great way for a leadership team to um, proactively work together to improve the um, quality of terms of performance and behaviours of the uh, entire team in the organisation. One final thought on this is that uh, please understand the negative impact that behaviours can have. Um, on the people in the top right-hand quadrant. If they see somebody in the top left-hand quadrant getting away with something, they're going to go, this just doesn't work for me, boss. I couldn't get away with that. Why can they? So that's another reason why these things uh, have to be addressed. So I am convinced that an organisation which focuses on behaviour as much as it focuses on performance is going to build a really, over time, truly effective team that will come through in sustainably great results and the culture of the organisation will develop into making it a really, really, really highly effective, high performance culture and a great place to work. And that is um, today's Leadership Reflections, a collection of leadership podcast by me, Barry Dor. I'll be back with you soon. Until then, bye-bye. So many.